This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians and uh, we're going to be uh, just for one passage in Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, it is great to be with you seriously this morning. I know I joke around a little, um, but it's great to be here. Uh, when we come around the Word of God, there's always two questions we ask. As Pentecostals, we're only good at asking the first bit of the question, but we've got to ask both. The two questions we always ask when we read Scripture is, number one, what does it say? But that's not enough. Because a lot of people know what it says, but the second question is, what does it mean? Because if you don't dig into what it means, you'll end up with what it says. Now, Corinthians tells us that women are saved through childbirth. Well, I hope not, anyway, because that means all the ladies in here that are not children, you're unsaved. No, that's what it says, but it's not what it means. The New Testament says that God is a door. Well, as he wouldn't with a handle, no, no. It's what it says, but it's not what it means. And, and what we've got to do all the time when we read the, read the Bible is ask the question, what does it say, but what does it mean? And what does it mean for us? The Bible wasn't written to you, it was written for you. So there's, there is a contextual aspect of the Bible, but we've got to know what it means because what it means is for us. What it says sometimes may be relevant or irrelevant for us depending on the context. We haven't got time to go into any more of this. But listen, let me read from Ephesians chapter 5. It should appear on the screen from verse 15. This is, this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was a great church. Um, if you've ever been on a cruise, they usually take you to Ephesus. If you go around the Med and you get the day trip. Um, but this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, which was a good church, but a church living in troubled times. He says this to the believers, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Let me read that again because it's good. Be very careful how you live. Let's not rush. Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. I want to talk to you this morning about something I've not even preached at King's Bolton. In fact, I wasn't even planning it till about 20 minutes ago to preach this this morning. Um, but I want to talk to you about the subject of opportunity. It's, uh, it's something that I'd preached to a group of leaders at a Bible college this week. But it's something that's just been resonating in me. And as I've talked to Jeff pre the service, I just felt there was something in me that I want to talk to you about opportunity. Because in the past 18 months, the last 20 months that we've been going through this pandemic season, I think what's often in our minds we've shut down on is being aware of the opportunities that God is bringing to us because we are so consumed with the challenges that we are facing. The last 18 months have been interesting. The Christian church over the last thousand years has never been through anything like the last 18 months. 
Reformations, two world wars have been challenging immensely. But never has the government closed the church from gathering together. Where most of the world was told that we could not gather together. It's unprecedented. Now, there's so many challenges around that. Challenges to the church. But there are some benefits. We've all got a bit, bit better online, haven't we? My mum's 90. And I was trying to teach a YouTube to 19-year-olds. Now, I'm not really good at social media, so here's me trying to teach my mum to get online during the pandemic. Well, another good thing about the pandemic is our gardens look a lot better. As I was driving through Burnley, it looks like the Royal Horticultural Society has been here. Your gardens are looking great. I I suppose also it's given us time to think. It's been like an enforced sabbatical on us all, particularly during the first lockdown where we had to stay at home. But this is the question I want to ask you. If you'd have known the pandemic was coming, what would you, what would you have changed to prepare for it? What would we have done as leaders? What would we have done as people in church to prepare our families and our lives for what we knew was coming? We were unprepared for the season we now find ourselves in. One of the things that we've done at Kings Bolton during the lockdown is we've bought a church building in Blackpool called Springfield Methodist for our Blackpool campus. And during the first lockdown, I I went to see it. I got access to it through the agent and they showed me around and uh, the agent let me in, gave me the price and said, go and have a look around. So I'm wandering around this building and as I'm wandering through the main hall, people, they've left their Bibles on the chair that they sit in. The lady who preached left a handbag on the pulpit, Mrs. So-and-so, so-and-so. They'd planned, you see, that this was just going to be see you next week. That it was just going to be everything's normal and nothing changes. And little did they know that something was coming to radically change our world. That church is not reopening as Springfield Methodist. It's going to reopen in three weeks' time as King's Church Blackpool. Now, Now, I think that we weren't prepared I've said, I've said to a couple of friends of mine that call themselves prophets, where were you when we needed you? <laughs> don't, don't prophesy now, it's too late. Where were you when we really needed you? And I think one of the things that we have got to do about our Christian walks and our lives is this. We've got to understand that God wants you and me to be agile to every opportunity. You see, Paul says this. He said, be, be wise, don't live unwise. And this, make the most of every opportunity that comes our way. So in some ways, in this difficult season, we've got to realise that God wants me and you to have an agility. Agility simply means this, the ability to move quickly and easily. Ability to think and understand on the move. Charles Darwin who I don't often quote during preaching, (laughs) says this, it's not the strongest that survive, but those that are most agile to change. My son, uh, Oliver, is 25, and um, he's a good lad. He he works for AO.com, an online retail company. At the start of lockdown... um, they were doing well. At the end of lockdown, they were three times bigger because they did everything online. My son's made a fortune during lockdown. In fact, he's bought himself 
a Z4 BMW soft top. He said, Dad, can I put this on Twitter? Look what lockdown's paid for. I said, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. You've got to be sensitive to what's happening. You see, what I've realised is this, and this comes into point number one, opportunity is always present, even in chaos. The question is not, is there opportunity? The question is, are you and me and us making the most of the opportunity that is present even in chaos? Let me give you a very real testimony that is not going to make a book because it's not positive enough yet. I remember we went into lockdown at Bolton, uh, as we all did, and we just moved into a big, huge mill in Bolton. Um, we, we'd spent a few years negotiating the deal. We moved into this bill, mill. It was massive, and it is massive. We've got five other buildings that we run. And about a couple of months after moving in, lockdown came. And so I met my finance director for breakfast. And uh, I didn't eat him. I thought about it, but... And um, I said, what's the script while we're in lockdown? He said, well, we've had to close all our buildings, so our income, uh, rentals now are 20000 a month down. And, um, you know, we've not got in-person offerings now, down now. That's probably another, at least a 15. So we're about 35000 a month down every month, 35. Now I'm thinking, well, we'll stand one month. I'll get borrowed a few money off Jeff for the second month, and we'll see I'm, you do the maths over 18 months. And I can remember waking up at 3 o'clock one morning in my house going downstairs and I'm sat on my sofa looking into the garden and I'm thinking, God, God, what's happening here? I wish I could say, I wish I could say, right, an angel came and danced and said, Derek, don't worry, I stroked my hair. No, no, I'll tell you what was happening. I could feel sweat running down my back and it wasn't hot as it felt like every demon in hell was in my lounge. No, they weren't, but it felt like I said, it's going to fail. You're going to look such an idiot. That mill is going to be a white elephant in the town and everybody's going to laugh at you. And I'm sat on my settee thinking, God, where are you? Help me. You got me into this mess. Please, God, help me. All our staff were on furlough. It was a very difficult night. I got up the next morning and I wish I could say all the doom and gloom had cleared. But if you can ask my wife, I can get grumpy. And uh, so I went to work that day and uh, I went to a meeting in Manchester. And I was driving back to Bolton to meet a friend of mine, Andy Hawthorne, who was at our building. And I got stuck in traffic coming out of Manchester, so I was late. So I rang ahead and said, Andy, I'm really sorry, I'll be there in half an hour. He said, really sorry, I've got to go. But I've left you something on your table you might want to consider. So I got back into my office and he left on the table a little leaflet that said, um, I'm starting opening community grocery stores, would you like to open one? So within six weeks, we'd open one. Now, I didn't feel ever called to run a grocery store. I'm called to build a church, but we did it. And it's just gone ballistic. We've over nearly 1,200 families that we feed every week. And they are kicking down the door for alpha courses, debt management courses, parenting courses. And even when we just throw a casual email out, anybody want to come in, 50, 60 of them show up every week nearly. And you're thinking to yourself, in the midst of this chaos, there's been some opportunities. Yes. Life Church, 
make the most. I'm not saying this isn't hard. I'm not saying it hasn't felt horrible. And I'm not saying it's over. But what we are saying is even in this chaos, there is opportunity. I have a friend, and the reason why I'm telling stories is, is, is to help you see the opportunities that come out of chaos. I've got a friend called Mike McMahon. Um, he's a pastor in Warrington. And uh, he's just refurbed an old Anglican building uh, halfway through the, the pandemic. And it was so good. I went looking at it. It was beautiful and everything. And then two nights before it opened, Warrington had their floods. And he went down to his church at midnight and all his brand new church was under two and a half feet of dirty sewage water. So he's trying to get his, his brand new subwoofers from under the stage onto the stage. He's trying to get the carpets up. He's trying to do all this thing. And as I rang him, he answered the phone to me while he stood in two and a half feet of sewage water. And I'm saying, Mike, we're with you. And we're going to help you and everything. And this is his testimony. This is his testimony. The church closed and the church was a mess. But because the council didn't respond to the biggest state that it was on, Every door in the estate opened to the church because everybody said, help us. And they have basically refurbished and given washers and dryers and and helped families on the estate. The opportunities, while the church is under two and a half feet of dirty sewage water, the opportunities that came for witness and evangelism were beyond their wildest dreams. Now listen, let me get a little bit more edgy with you. Because the people that are going to survive this and thrive are not the nicest Christian people. The people going to survive this and thrive are the people that are going to find the opportunities in the chaos of, of, of what nobody wanted and nobody expected it to happen. But there is opportunities in this chaos. There are opportunities even though it's been nasty. What opportunities are emerging? Are your eyes open in the chaos to what opportunities? God, because this is the truth, right? God in this season is giving Life Church opportunities that you'll never have again. But if we're only focused on, it's, you know, let's get through this and let's carry on as though it never happened. No, we've got to take time and reflect. You may say, well, it's all right for you. Listen, I've buried members of my own family that have died of covid but I'm still totally committed, totally committed that in this chaos, in this chaos, there is incredible opportunities. Second thing about opportunity is this. I don't like this. I don't like this point. In fact, if I were you, I wouldn't even listen to this point because I don't like it. Opportunity is often disguised as hardship. Ooh, that won't look good on a fridge magnet, will it? You know, we want God is love and happy. You know, not opportunities often disguised as hardship. You know, sometimes hardship can be our friend because it forces us to address stuff. I don't know, you know, I'm a Calvinist to believe that God can use everything, but I'm not an extremist to think that God sends everything. So I don't think God sent COVID, right? I don't believe that for a moment. But is God going to use what COVID has done? Absolutely, 100%. All things, the Bible says, work together for the good of those that love him, those that according to his purpose. So if, if, if it says all things, does it mean all things? 
So everything, the worst that humanity can do, that God did not want to happen, God can turn and bring something good out of it. In Exodus chapter 5 of the Old Testament, we haven't got time to turn to it this morning, so you're going to have to trust me, but read it when you get home, that's your homework. There's the brilliant story account of where the children of Israel are in exile in Egypt, and Moses and Aaron are going to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. And Pharaoh's going, get real, you're not going anywhere, you're my slaves. And uh, they keep going back to Pharaoh and there's this kind of standoff between Moses, who's representing the Israelites, and Pharaoh, who's representing the Egyptians as their masters. And they are just not getting each other. And then when Pharaoh realises that he feels like the Israelites through Moses are just pushing their luck, he makes a decision that he thinks is going to crush them, which actually saves their life. And this is what he does next in chapter 5. He says, because you have offended me, I'm now going to ask you as slaves to make the same amount of bricks, so you're going to have to do your same quarter as slaves, but now I'm going to ask you to make bricks without straw. Which is a saying that my mum used to use, having never been to church when I was young. It's bricks without straw, that. Which basically means somebody that's asking you to do something that's impossible. Now you may say, well, well, how, how good was that? The, the, the children of Israel were coming under incredible hardship. But what you've got to see is this. Until that point, they weren't ready to go. But as hardship came, it forced them to ask the inevitable question this. If we stay, we're going to die. Because if we don't fulfill the quarter, we'll have to take our lives. So we might as well risk everything by taking this opportunity. So what Pharaoh meant to crush them actually moved them out to start to say, I am not going to live here anymore. You see, everybody in here is facing hardship. Some people, it will crush them. Others, it will move them. Move them to something better. Move them to say, we don't have to live here any longer. We don't have to do this. I was reading an article this week um, <clears throat> about, about firms. You know, I'm not talking about churches, but firms in the UK. That there's so much incredible movement around now. People saying, I'm not sure I want this job anymore. I'm not sure I want this job anymore. I'm not sure I want to just go back to how things were. I want my life to be different. I've got a question for you this morning. Who and what is hardship pushing you towards? For those watching online, and let me say this, Jeff's far too nice, but I'll say it. If you're at home because you're fearful, or you know, there's a, there's a, there's a problem you can't get here, or there's any level of anxiety of group meetings, good on you, good on you. You keep watching online. If you're at home because you can't be bothered to get out of bed, there's not much of a future for you. You see, God allows hardship to bring stuff out of you. To bring something that good times will not bring out of you. God allows it. And I'm saying to myself, what has hardship taught our church? That as we've gone through difficult times in this last season, and we're not out of them. So what opportunity is there in something that looks like hardship? And thirdly, I don't like this one either. I don't like this message, to be honest with you. I'd, I'd, I'd rather preach one that's got a few jokes in or something, or, you know, 
a bit happier when we all get to heaven what the songs will sing or how to, how to feel the brush of an angel's wing. I think that would have gone down a bit better. But you see, it's not, you know, when you go to the doctor, right, he doesn't, I've never been to the doctor said, you know, I've, I've got this problem. He says, oh, have a vanilla slice. Everything will be okay. Because <laughs> I'd go, happy days, I'll have two. I'll, 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 I'll overdose on that kind of stuff. But no, no, he doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what you need to get the remedy that you're looking for. Well, you know what the Bible does? It doesn't tell you what you want. It tells you what you need. We need to be together. We need God's presence and we need to see the opportunities. The third is this. Opportunity is birthed in pain. Now, I am not a woman. Thank you, Jesus. And I have two children. And I have been in that room where my wife has had children. And I want you to know she is far braver than I am and if men had to have women we'd be extinct it'd have been Adam and Eve and Genesis would have been the last book of the Bible because men are far weaker than women in pain threshold I am certain but what we've also got to realize when we read scripture is what God does through pain what does he birth through pain and I think we've been through or going through a very painful season I, I, my passion in life is to build church. My passion in life is to grow church. My passion in life is to establish church and faith communities. And uh, so as of that, I, when I'm reading the Bible, I'm, I'm always looking and digging and, 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 and trying to see what the Bible says and not just what it says, what does it mean and the nuances of it and all those things. And a few years ago, I was reading Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, if, if you don't, uh, don't aware of it, is where Stephen is the first Christian church martyr. He is stoned to death. And you probably know it because Saul of Tarsus was there watching, giving his approval as the first martyr in the Christian church in Rome that Stephen is stoned to death. And that was it. Now, what happened is this. Stephen is stoned to death and the church in Rome went into panic. Now, the church in Rome was a good church. It was pastored by Jesus' brother, James. So this isn't some two-bit, you know, church plant. This is a massive church. This is the church. This is kind of a really good place to be, and everything seems to be going well. Then, bang, Stephen is martyred. And the Bible says this, a lot of the believers fled, fearing for their own life. Now, in that moment, if somebody asks you, how's it going? Oh, it's going really well. How's church life? Oh, yeah, it's great. Stephen's dead. <laughs> Stephen's dead. Um, it's all going brilliantly. How's, you know, never mind Stephen, how's the worship? So Stephen's killed, first Christian martyr. Everybody flees. And then a group of the people fleeing from Jerusalem get down to a place called Antioch, Antioch, which was a provincial town. It wasn't massive, it wasn't small. And they kind of all land at Antioch and then they start to meet together because they recognise each other. And when Christians meet together, it's called church. And then something starts to come together, what we call the Antioch church. Now, the Antioch church, for those of you that are study Bible and understand, the Antioch church was the most significant church in the New Testament by far. Let me read you a couple of things why the Antioch church was the most important church in the New Testament. One, because it was the first ever to see a non-Jewish convert. Two, it was the first one to ever send a missions team. Three, 
It was the first one to ever run a feeding program and even a food bank. Four, it was the first one to host real multicultural worship. Five, it was the first one that created a training centre, a structured training centre. And consequently, it was also the first place the followers of Christ were called Christians. I wonder why. So can you, can you see what, what happened? The church of Jerusalem, everybody's, everything's going great. Pastor James, Jesus, everything's great. Trouble comes. Pain comes. The death of Stephen. They, they all flee, or many flee down to a place called Antioch, and a new kind of church is born. A church that would do far more than the Jerusalem sending church. Let me, let me say something that's slightly controversial, just for those that want to put something on Twitter. God, in this next season, is going to plant churches. He will do it with you, or he will do it despite you. And he may very use people that inadvertently don't know that they're going to be used. Because Jerusalem planted a church. They didn't choose to, but God used it. And this is, my, this is my sense. And this is where I get a little bit prophetic as we land this message in a few minutes before I pray. I, I sense a new season. Things have got to be different. You've got to be different. I've got to be different. This has got to be different. Not knocking walls down. I'm not talking about that. That's, that's decor. I'm talking about attitudes and ethos and values. You know, we, otherwise we're just going to create a church of consumers that come and do X Factor on the preaching and the worship and the message. And did they feel warm or cold? And what I'm trying to say to you this morning, Life Church, is this. Where's the opportunities? Because God is giving you in this season incredible opportunities. But not everybody's recognizing. And not everybody's awake. And not everybody's open. And I think we've got to come alive to what God wants to do in and through and with us in this season. And I think, I think God is going to birth a new kind of church. And I want it to be in our church. I've said to Kings, we need to be a different kind of church. We need to be agile. We need to be ready. Because if it's not COVID, it might be something else. There might be something else coming down the road that we didn't plan. And maybe the prophets are not going to give us three months notice and a budget to work with. So we've got to be agile as church to respond to what God is doing. To respond to the environment that we find ourselves in. Because churches that don't leave their books, their Bibles on the chair thinking it'll just be the same next week when I'm back. And it is not coming back. I, um, I was in a leaders' day with the Assemblies of God, um, the movement that I'm back in a few weeks ago, and I heard this story. And uh, because I'm a pastor, it totally broke me. And I'm not, I'm not an emotional person. I have only ever cried once in 1984 when Bolton got relegated. Um, 
I didn't cry when my children were born to my wife's annoyance. I just poked myself in the eye to make it, you know. So, so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not one of these people given to emotion. But I went to an Assemblies of God day and there were leaders talking. And uh, so the leader said, oh, where's, I'll call him David. He wasn't called David. Where's David? He's usually here. And they said, oh, he's gone off on sick. They said, oh, he's gone off. Is he all right? And then they told me this story. David and his wife, Sheila. Let's call her Sheila because you might know him. David and Sheila had passed the church for 30 years. They'd made the tea, opened the door, given out the mission prayers. You can tell you a bit old-fashioned, but they'd loved God, loved his house, done home groups, done youth ministry, done the Bibles. They'd done it for 30 years. And at the end of the first lockdown, they reopened the church. They cleaned it, they got it, everybody ready. And on that Sunday, nobody came. And he has never been back in church since. You see, I'm not being glib. These are devastating days. But the story's not over. There's opportunity in the chaos. In the chaos of your life, there's opportunities. If you look up, if you'll not just be consumed by what is happening around you. But be envisaged, envisioned by what God is doing in you. What's, what's lockdown done for us? Well, we've, we like you, we've run a grocery store and a thousand families every week come to us. I've just done 35 years of evangelism where well, I'd have dreamed of that. A thousand families a week come to our building and we get a chance to interact with them and talk with them and then they say, thank you. We really appreciate you. You see, we didn't plan this. We didn't want it. And God didn't send it. But it is what it is. And we've got what we've got. And we've got to be bold. And we've got to be brave. And we've got to ask the question, friends, this morning, where are the opportunities in this society? Because in every front door you drove past coming to church, there's a family, there's a story, there's a challenge, and there's an opportunity. If you go in, and I'll finish with this, if you go in my office at church, I've got about six or seven books on church history. Um, I got them because I had to study it for something that I was doing for a college once. And if you go through the church history books, you know, you, you flick through them and it talks about seasons of church life, you know, the Reformation and this and all the seasons of life churches have gone through. I kind of guess in 20 years' time when they're updating it, you know, updated edition, you know, 2030, there'll be a chapter in it. It'll be called COVID. It's not yet written. 
And I've got a funny feeling in 2030, 2040, when their historians are writing the COVID season of church history, what will they write about? Because I tell you, if it's got anything to do with me, if it's got anything to do with me, it will be this narrative. COVID devastated many things, but it brought the greatest opportunities the Christian church has ever had, bar none. But the narrative could be that 25%, 30% of the church never come back. Because of that, a lot of churches don't have the finance to do what they were planning to do. So projects went bang. Missionaries weren't supported. People were laid off. Youth pastors, kids pastors, so families didn't access. It, it's either the death knell or the clarion cry. And you know what? We get to choose... It's not the angels that are going to choose this season. It's you. And you might say, well, I'm just a lad from Burnley. And I go on every other Saturday. And I like my kebab. And I don't cause no trouble. You might be a lad from Bolton. I'm 56 in a few weeks. I know I only look 30. I know. I know only a few people can carry. But one of the legacies of lockdown for me is this. I can't find a barber's. They've all gone bankrupt in Bolton, so I'm thinking of moving to Burnley to find a barber. My mum, who's 90, is absolutely appalled my hair is getting longer. She's appalled. And last week in church, she tapped me on the shoulder. She said, if you don't have that cut, you're out the will. <laughs> and if you've ever met my mother, she is serious. That woman does not say things that are not. Uh, what are they going to write about church? What are they going to write about life, church? What are they going to write about life, church? What are these people in these houses here going to tell you? What did life, church, do in the worst crisis Burnley's ever had? We stayed in our building and we sang songs. Or we knocked on doors. I met Mike, you know, the guy from Warrington that's church was in two and a half feet of sewage in his brand new building. I said, Mike, how's things going? He said, there's no water in the building anymore, Derek. We've cleaned it out. I said, how's the church doing, Mike? He said, dreadful. Most people are not even back. I said, oh, I'm so gutted about that, Mike. I said, How, how's the outreach going? He said, absolutely phenomenal. He said, I stood up in front of church a couple of weeks back and he said, I didn't recognise anybody. But people are coming saying, you were the only person that knocked on my door when my kids were all upstairs and our telly was floating around the lounge and three lads in your church came with a skip and cleared all my the council took three months you took the next day wow 
Maybe, just maybe, right? Maybe, 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 just maybe. In this moment, in this season of church life, in this season of your business, because we want businesses to do well, go and make shed loads of money. And remember, why you're making it. Your family, what have you learned? Your church experience, what have you learned? Because as I pray in about 30 seconds time, I'm, I'm not, I'm only going to pray this one thing. Open our eyes, God, to the opportunities that are all around us. I have never known a season in church life. I have never known a season in church life, ever. In the 38 years this year, I've been a Christian. Where people are knocking on the door of the church saying, can you help us? I've never known evangelism this easy. We're not dragging people in. They're asking, can they come? me and you we're the COVID chapter it's not Smith's Wigglesworth it's Jeff Brunton very similar it's not Charles Wesley it's Mark Hurst it's not Catherine Coleman it's you It's not some big shot. It's you and me and us. And all we've got to do is open our eyes, open our hearts. Say, Lord, let me see. Because this COVID chapter is not written. The kind of, the script is starting to be, and it isn't good. The stats are piling up and it's not good. But the narrative of what God did isn't yet written. And I'm determined. I'm determined. I can't change all the church. I can't and don't want to change all the church. But I can do what I can do in Bolton and Blackpool and Salford and Wigan and Gateshead. I'm only in Gateshead because you wouldn't go. You're Geordie. We have interpreters in our Farsi congregation and we have interpreters in our Gateshead conversation. Because I don't understand them. I preach there in the queue up after to talk to them. They go, hey, 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 hey. And I just go, thank you. I don't know what they're saying. They might say, I hate you and I wish you were going to hell. And I'm going, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. I have no idea. You know why? Because it's okay not to know what you're doing. Because God never never works with your ability to know what you're doing. He works with your availability. You know, all these people, they just lie. You know, pastors, they tell you, well, this God's, uh, no, give over. They're winging it. And God's okay with that. God's okay with that.
What's your five-year plan, Derek? Look, love, I don't know what I'm doing a week on Thursday, so give over a five-year plan. I'm just going to stand in the day of opportunity to say, God, I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll plan, I'll, I'll do, but you know what? I'm not going to make this season tidy and neat because it isn't tidy and neat. It's unhinged and it's irritating and it's frustrating. So this is how I'm going to pray. You ready? We're going to pray one prayer. Lord, open my eyes. Will you, will you stand with me while we pray? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. This is not the end of this service. This is a moment of receiving. Come on. Blank everything out, so blank it out. Come on. Come on, opportunity is all around you. Opportunity is all around you. It doesn't have to be like this. Our joy does not have to come from the news. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Holy Spirit, open the eyes of our hearts, God. God, open our eyes. In a season where we've been consumed by what is around us, open our eyes, God, to what you are doing in and through us. God, we stand here as your children. And we might feel like we're beaten and we're bloody and we've messed up and we've come short and we're not what we were and we've made mistakes and we've not lived perfectly and we wish we could relive some moments again and we'd do it differently. But God, we're here this morning and all we can give you, God, is us. All we can give you, God, is us. So God, in this unwritten chapter of COVID that the historians are going to write, we pray that men and women in Life Church Burnley grab the awesome responsibility of this moment. An opportunity is seen. In the chaos, opportunity is seen. In the hardship, opportunity is seen. And even in the pain, opportunity is seen. God, may this not be an intellectual pursuit, but may this be a gut cry. A gut cry. For this church, for these people, in this moment, with this set of opportunities. We thank you, God, it's unwritten. And because this is our shift, because this is our season, because this is our moment, we intend to write the narrative that what was meant to destroy us actually created a platform for our greatest season.
that the church in Burnley has ever seen. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at LifeLanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus.